Sean Lemplin. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dr. Andy Schmuckler. Dr. Andy, are you ready to do this? I'm all ready. All right. Dr. Andrew Bard Schmuckler is a prize winning author. He's a former Democratic candidate for Congress. He's a former talk radio host, author, columnist. Excited to have you on, Doctor. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I, I don't do it uh, to get uh, rich, um, uh, it, it, which is a good thing because it wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked. Um, I have spent the last, uh, well, there was a day in 1970 in my personal story where I saw something that seemed so important that I made a promise I knew not to what, to do my very best to develop what I had seen, the picture of what had happened to our species, to uh, uh, to get it out to my fellow human beings, because it was clear to me that if more people understood what I had been, I would say, shown, that we as a species would be better off and have a better chance to survive for the long haul. So. That was what launched me on my life's work, and I have been developing uh, a series of ideas that are integrated together into what I call an integrative picture of the human story that I I still feel convinced could have a beneficial impact on where we go from here. What did you see? Well, I saw that that there is more implications to a species taking the step that we took 10 or 12,000 years ago, which was unprecedented in the history of life, a step onto the path of civilization. You know, we don't look at civilization as the right way for the most part. We don't look at it in the context of the fact that this emerged out of out of the evolution of life that had been going on for three and a half billion years. We, if you look at it in that context, you see that there are enormous implications that any creature that takes that step on any planet, anywhere in the cosmos, is going to unleash forces that are going to drive the way its civilization develops in a way that it could not avoid and would never have chosen. And how did how 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 did you actually see it? Was it an image? Was it like a? It was a moment of of, of visualizing. Let's put it that way. I I, I was thinking about things. I, I had been for uh, two or three years at that point wrestling with the question: Why is there so much destruction and torment in the world? Uh, this was launched in 1968, which was a year where America was in turmoil, where the Soviets had sent their tanks rumbling into Prague to crush the uh, the Prague Spring in Czechoslovakia, and, and where there was assassinations in the United States, and, and the Chicago Convention uh, was a police riot. Um, it was it was a time where I felt. As a young man, I was uh, well, I was 22 at the beginning of this and 24 in 1970. That I felt like I needed to understand what was going on in the world, and having spent you know two years sort of uh, wrestling with this question, not apparently getting any particular where, I saw that there was something about what happens when a when a creature 
uh, leaves the niche in which it evolved biologically and by inventing its own way of life. Until that point, every other living form had evolved into a particular niche and was, was in that niche and couldn't get out of that niche and fit into the larger world in a way that had been selected for, not just for that species, but for the, the synergies and viability uh, of all the various ecosystems all the way up to the biosphere. But we, not because there is anything wrong with us, but because we had a level of creative intelligence that was unprecedented, we took a step starting to create a way of life that was not what we had done during the eons that we had developed as, as vertebrates, as mammals, as primates, as apes, and eventually then as human beings, hunter-gatherer societies, still living in little bands like primates, still living off of what nature provides, but now domesticating plants and animals, changing the rules, developing the ability to have different sizes and structures of society, living uh, off of uh, not what nature provides, but what domesticated nature would provide. There are implications to that that I saw in that moment and that I continue to see how it illuminates a lot of things about the, the, the dilemmas that our, our species faces including the dilemma that we face now in the United States, where the survival of democracy is jeopardized. You've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, I, it is what thinking is what I was raised to do. And thinking about these things is something that I feel called to do. And for the last uh, just about 20 years, I've been in sort of emergency mode because I love this country and I can see that there, are, I could see back in, well, back in the early 90s, and the, but then much more profoundly starting in 2004, I could see that there was a force rising. So the idea of a force is what has been central to my, uh, my understanding. We tend to think about things in terms of uh, what the parts are doing. So-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. It's all about human beings making choices and doing things. But the, the, the idea of a force is that the systems within which we operate can develop a dynamic that takes things more or less out of our control. Not entirely out of our control, thank God, but enough out of our control that we don't understand what's happening unless we see the systemic forces at work. And that's what my life has been about, trying to expose that if we want a future of our own choosing, we need to understand what forces have been unleashed that need to be brought under control. Otherwise, we don't get to choose our, our, our destiny. Are you hopeful? Uh, yeah, it's sort of my nature to be hopeful. Um, but, it, you know, it's pretty clear that we need to make major changes if we're going to survive. Uh, well, going now back from the level of uh, will American democracy survive to the larger level of will human civilization 
survive. You know, there, there are two threats that in the course of, well, not quite my lifetime. I was born in 1946, whereas the atomic age began, well, depending on when you want to put it, whether it's, you know, the droppings of the bombs on, on Japan. But anyway, I was born near the beginning uh, of an era where we had to start contemplating for the first time whether we might destroy ourselves as a species and take much of the rest of the planet down with us. The other uh, problem that, with, that could destroy us is, is now evident in the way that there's this gathering crisis of climate change where a lot of difficulty is already baked in the cake, as it were, and we didn't recognize, I would say, when I was a kid, that we might actually bring ourselves down altogether by our recklessness as a species on a, uh, on, on a planet. You know, a bull in a china shop is what, what we've become. So those two things have, 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 just within living memory, have emerged as ways that we could destroy ourselves. And at the moment, we can see that either one of them remains a threat. If you look at uh, you know, what's happened in the world just in the last year, we've seen a, uh, a, a nation with a, with run by a somewhat mad, certainly a human monster, Vladimir uh, Putin, has, has begun a war and brandished nuclear weapons to intimidate and we have a, a, a potential crisis uh, over Taiwan between two nuclear superpowers. So we still have a situation like we did in 1962 with the Cuban Missile Crisis, where if things had not gone the way they did, there was a danger that we could have blown up the whole planet with thousands of nuclear explosions and a massive nuclear exchange between the United States and the Soviet Union. We're still in that world. We need to create a different kind of world and we're not making obvious progress in that direction. Am I hopeful about how we'll deal with uh, uh, finding a way to live on this planet without destroying the, uh, the processes of uh, the rest of life? Uh, on which we still depend for our survival? Well, we have known about the problem of climate change. I wrote about it in 1976. Apparently, Exxon knew with considerable accuracy what the dangers were about the same time. And to consider that more than 40 years have gone by and we've not made more progress than we have. It's not very impressive, but it is clear we need to develop a different kind of civilization in terms of how it behaves, in terms of maintaining the, the viability of life on Earth, that we are still, despite our becoming civilized, we still depend on it for our survival. So am I hopeful? Yeah. Yeah. We're a creative species, but there are forces at work that we haven't we haven't gotten clear enough on. We haven't overcome enough, and there is I'd say a, I'd say it's a toss up whether in two centuries from now we will have gotten our act together to survive for the long haul, or we will have destroyed ourselves. And a toss up 
means that anything that could have a beneficial impact is worth pursuing because there could be a tipping point that could go either way. And I think that what I've put together could have a beneficial impact. And so at the age of 76, I am still committed to doing everything I can to getting out the, the picture that I've spent my life developing of what it is we need to do. Is it an easy answer? No, no. I, I, I would say that in terms of an easy answer, I can give, I can say this. I can say we should be spending a meaningful amount of time on the question, what would our civilization have to look like for it to be pretty well safe for surviving for the long haul? And that's a question of envisioning, and and the answer to the and the answer to it will be something that different people have different ideas. But we we need at least to have that conversation about these different ideas and to do our best to envision where we need to get to. And meanwhile, to ask a second question, which is what what can we wisely do now that is best likely to get us to that destination. We don't know exactly where we need to go, but we have ideas. We can, I've just already presented some ideas about where we need to go. And what steps can we take now that have the best chance of getting us there eventually and meeting the central challenge that we face as a species, which is to put our civilization in an order that's good enough and to do it soon enough that our civilization can survive for the long haul. Those are not, those two questions, where do we need to get to? What steps can we take now? They're not easy answers to, to either of those questions. But I think if we spent a meaningful amount of time envisioning that we only have maybe a 50-50 chance that two th centuries from now, we will still be a going concern on this planet. I think that should motivate us to at least uh, put some real creative energy into those two questions. Well, I certainly couldn't agree more. What, what can I do as, as an individual? Well, you had me on your show, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm great. And you can have me back if you want to pursue these things further, and I'd be grateful for that. And you can tell um, your viewers um, that if they hear anything in this conversation that makes them think that there's something there that they would want to understand, if indeed I deliver the goods I say I deliver, that they can find it on... Uh, on my website, where I, I, I've tried to present this picture in various ways over the uh, over the years, sometimes just a part of it. Sometimes lately, I'm, I'm trying to present sort of the whole integrated thing. And I've just written in the last uh, four or five months a um, a series of, of of eight pieces that present a big picture that say that if you if you're persuaded by it, and I think that the arguments for it are compelling, uh, 
If you're persuaded by it, it will give you a, a way of understanding the big picture in the United States, for one thing, but in terms of our species story, that will illuminate some important things. And I, those, I'm, I'm particularly looking for those people who, for one thing, really do care about what happens on this planet. I, I know it's not clear to me how many people actually care about whether our grandchildren can su survive and thrive. It's not clear to me how many people care about whether our great-great-grandchildren can survive and thrive. But if people do, I've got something to offer. And it's not clear to me how many people in this era really care about having a coherent vision of the human story. Whether, you know, there, when I was growing up, there were some big stories like from Freud and from Marx that uh, people... Uh, adopted a way of understanding some important dimensions of the human world. I have critiques of both of those, um, but there were people who, uh, who who wanted to have a big picture. I'm not clear how many people in our era intellectually care about having some big coherent perspective on the human story. But those who would want something that was valid, compelling, and illuminating, I, f I feel like I can promise in good faith I'm delivering something that illuminates some important th things. And those people who are willing to put in some intellectual work to see whether this all holds water should go to a betterhumanstory.org and you'll see a variety of things there that bear on what I'm saying I'm delivering. But the most recent effort, my best crack at it at this stage of my life, is up in the upper left-hand corner of that page. It's called uh, My Series on Three Quarks Daily, or 3QD, where I've just posted a series. And there will be eight pieces there that begin with uh, the... The, the fate of human civilization. And then it goes to the second piece, which is called the ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large, which is why I say any creature anywhere that takes the step onto civilization will have to deal with a lot of the destruction and torment that we see in the pages of human history. And it goes on from there. That's what I would suggest that people do. And if that changes people's way of understanding, I think it's going to change their their way of addressing the problems that we face. I love it. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. Give us the website again, please. It's called A Better Human Story. One word. Uh, I don't think it matters if it's lowercase or not. And... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a place where you can see a, a, a good portion of my life's work, and uh, including a, a book that I wrote in 2015 called um, What We're Up Against, a The Destructive Force at Work in Our World and How We Can Defeat It. That's, that's 2015. And then it's also got my 2017 series, which is called A Better Human Story. And then it's got this more recent series, uh, this up in the upper left-hand corner. This is all at the website, abetterhumanstory.org. Excellent. 
Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Andy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas and wants to see us human beings stick around for for uh, for for a little while longer. Go to a better human story.org and look up in the upper left hand corner for Andy's three QD um, and dig in and engage with all the hard work and thinking that Andy has put into this and um, find out what we can be doing to move the conversation and humanity and everything forward. Thanks again, Andy. Thank you, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.